0: Book 1, Chapter 8 Of Letters of Travel This is a LibriVox recording All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer Please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Tim Bulkley of BigBible.org From Tideway to Tideway 1892 onwards on one side only from letters of travel by rudyard kipling new oxford u s a june july eighteen ninety two the truth is said the man on the train that we live in a tropical country for three months of the year only we won't recognize look at this he handed over a long list of deaths from heat enlivened the newspapers all the cities where men live at breaking strain were sending in their butcher bills and the papers of the cities themselves apostles of the gospel of rush were beseeching their readers to keep cool and not to overwork themselves while the hot wave was upon them the rivers were patched and barred with sun-dried pebbles the logs and loggers were drought-bound somewhere up the connecticut and the grass at the side of the track was burned in a hundred places by the sparks from the locomotives. Men, hatless, coatless and gasping, lay in the shade of that station where only a few months ago the glass stood at thirty below zero. Now the readings were ninety-eight degrees in the shade. Main Street. Do you remember Main Street of the little village, locked up in the snow this spring? had given up the business of life and an american flag with some politician's name printed across the bottom hung down across the street stiff as a board there were men with fans and alpaca coats curled up in splint chairs in the veranda of the one hotel among them an ex-president of the united states he completed the impression that the furniture of the entire country had been turned out of doors for summer cleaning in the absence of all the inhabitants nothing looks so hopelessly x as a president returned to stores the stars and stripes signified that the presidential campaign had opened in main street opened and shut up again politics evaporate at summer heat when all hands are busy with the lust of the hay and as the formers put it vermont's bound to go republican the custom of the land is to drag the scuffle and dust of an election over several months to the improvement of business and manners but the noise of that war comes faintly up the valley of the connecticut and is lost among the fiddling of the locusts their music puts as it were a knife-edge upon the heat of the day in truth it is a tropical country for the time being thunderstorms prowl and growl around the belted hills spit themselves away in a few drops of rain and leave the air more dead than before. In the woods, where even the faithful springs are beginning to run low, the pines and balsams have thrown out all their fragrance upon the heat and wait for the wind to bring news of the rain. The clematis, wild carrot, and all the gypsy flowers, camped by sufferance between fence line and road net, are masked in white dust. And the goldenrod of the pastures that are burned to flax colour burns too like burnished brass. A pillar of dust on the long hog back of the road across the hills shows where a team is lathering between farms and the roofs of the wooden houses flicker in the haze of their own heat. Overhead the chicken hawk is the only creature at work and his shrill kite like call sends the gaping chickens from the dust bath in haste to their mothers. The red squirrel as usual feigns business of importance among the butternuts, but this is pure priggishness. When the passer-by is gone, he ceases chattering, and climbs back to where the little breezes can stir his tail-plumes. From somewhere under the lazy fold of a meadow comes the drone of a mowing-machine among the hay, its war and the grunt of the tired horses. Houses are only meant to eat and sleep in. The rest of life is lived at full length in the verandah. When traffic is brisk, three whole teams will pass that veranda in one day, and it's necessary to exchange news about the weather and the prospects for oats when oats are in, there' will be slack time on the farm, and the farmers will seriously think about doing the hundred things that they have let slide during the summer. They will undertake this and that when they get round to it. The phrase translated is the exact equivalent to the manana of the Spaniard the Kulhojaga of Upper India the Yuroshi of the Japanese and the long drawled Taihod of the Maori the only person who gets round in this weather is the summer boarder the refugee from the burning cities of the plain and she is generally a woman she walks and botanizes and kodaks and sips the bark off the white birch to make blue-ribboned wastepaper paper baskets, and the farmer regards her with wonder. More does he wonder still at the city clerk in a blazer, who has two weeks' holiday in the year and apparently unlimited money, which he earns in the easiest possible way by sitting at a desk and writing. The farmer's wife sees the fashions of the summer border, and between them man and woman get a notion of the beauties of city life for which their children may live to blame them the blazer and the town-made gown are innocent recruiting sergeants for the city brigades and since one man's profession is ever a mystery to his fellow blazer and gown believe that the farmer must be happy and content a summer resort is one of the thousand windows whence to watch the thousand aspects of life in the atlantic states remember that between june and september it is the desire of all who can get away from the big cities not only on account of wantonness as people leave london but because of actual heat so they get away in their millions with their millions the wives of the rich men for five clear months and others for as long as they can and like drawing like they make communities set by set breed by breed division by division over the length and breadth of the land from Maine and the upper reaches of the seguine through the mountains and hot springs to half a dozen interior estates out and away to Sitka in steamers then they spend money on hotel bills among ten thousand farms on private companies who lease and stock land for sporting purposes on yachts and canoes, bicycles, rods, chalets, cottages reading circles, camps, tents and all the luxuries they know but the luxury of rest most of them do not know and the telephone and telegraph are faithfully dragged after them lest their menfolk should for a moment forget the ball and chain at foot for sadness with laughter at bottom there are few things to compare with the sight of a coatless muddy booted millionaire his hat adorned with trout flies and a string of small fish in his hand clawing wildly at the telephone of some back of beyond health resort thus hello hello yes who's there oh all right go ahead yes it's me hey what repeat sold for how much forty four and a half repeat no i told you to hold on what what who bought at that say hold a minute cable on the other side no hold on i'll come down business with watch tell schaefer i'll see him tomorrow. over his shoulder to his wife who wears a half hoop diamond rings at ten a.m Lizzie, where's my grip? I've got to go down. And he goes down, to eat in a hotel, and sleep in his shut-up house. Men are scarce at most of the summer places, as they are in Indian hill stations in late April. The women tell you that they can't get away, and if they did, they would only be miserable to get back. Now, whether this wholesale abandonment of husbands by wives is wholesome, let those who know the beauties of the Anglo-Indian system settle for themselves that both men and women need rest very badly a glance at the crowded hotel tables makes plain so plain indeed that the foreigner who has not been taught that fuss and worry are in themselves honourable wishes sometimes he could put the whole unrestful crowd to sleep for seventeen hours a day i have inquired of not less than five hundred men and women in various parts of the states why they broke down and looked so gash and the men said If you don't keep up with the procession in America, you're left. And the women smiled an evil smile, and answered that no outsider had yet discovered the real cause of their worry and strain, or why their lives were arranged to work with the largest amount of friction in the shortest given time. Now, the men can be left to their own folly, but the cause of the women's trouble has been revealed to me. It is a thing called help, which is no help in the multitude of presents that the american man has given to the american woman the four details see daily papers he has forgotten or is unable to give her good servants and that sordid trouble runs equally through the household of the millionaire or the flat of the small city man yes it's easy enough to laugh said one woman passionately we're worn out and our children are worn out too and we're always worrying i know it what can we do if you stay here you'll know that this is the land of all the luxuries and none of the necessities you'll know and then you won't laugh you'll know why women are said to take their husbands to boarding-houses and never have homes you'll know what an irish catholic means the men won't get up and attend to these things but we would if we had female suffrage we'd shut the door to all the irish and throw it open to all the chinese and let the women have a little protection it was the cry of a soul worn thin with exasperation but it was truth Today i do not laugh any more at that race that depends on inefficient helot races for its inefficient service when next you housekeeping in england differ with the respectable amiable industrious sixteen pound maid who wears a cap and says ma'am remember the pauper labour of america the wives of the sixty million kings who have no subjects. No man could get a thorough knowledge of the problem in one lifetime, but he could guess at the size and import of it after he has descended into the arena and wrestled with the Swede and the Dane and the German and the unspeakable Celt. Then he perceives how good for the breed it must be that a man should thresh himself to pieces in naked competition with his neighbor while his wife struggles unceasingly over primitive savagery in the kitchen in India sometimes when a famine is at hand the life of the land starts up before your eyes in all its bareness and bitter stress here in spite of the trimmings and the frillings it refuses to be subdued and the clamour and the clatter of it are loud above all other sounds as sometimes the thunder of disorganized engines stops conversations along the decks of a liner and in the inquiring eyes of the passengers you read the question this thing is made and paid to bear us to port quietly why does it not do so? only here the rattle of the badly put together machine is always in the ears though men and women run about with labor-saving appliances and gospels of power through repose tinkering and oiling and making more noise the machine is new some day it's going to be the finest machine in the world to the ranks of the amateur artificers therefore are added men with notebooks tapping at every nut and bolt-head fiddling with the glands registering revolutions and crying out from time to time that this or that is or is not distinctively american meantime men and women die unnecessarily in the wheels and are said to have fallen in the battle of life the god who sees us all die knows that there is far too much of that battle but we do not and so continue worshipping the knife that cuts and the wheel that breaks us as blindly as the outcast sweeper worships beg the glorified broom that is the incarnation of his craft but the sweeper has sense enough not to kill himself and to be proud of it with sweeping a foreigner can do little good by talking of these things for the same lean dry blood that breeds the fever of unrest breeds also the savage parochial pride that squeals under a steady stare or a pointed finger among themselves the people of the eastern cities admit that they and their women-folk overwork grievously and go to pieces very readily and that the consequences for the young stock are unpleasant indeed but before the stranger they prefer to talk about the future of their mighty continent which has nothing to do with the case and to call aloud on baal of the dollars to catalogue their lines mines telephones banks and cities and all the other shells buttons and counters that they have made their gods over them now a nation does not progress upon its brain-pan as some books would have us believe but upon its belly as did the serpent of old and in the very long run the work of the brain comes to be gathered in by a slow-footed breed that have unimaginative stomachs and the nerves that know their place all this is very consoling from the alien's point of view he perceives with great comfort that out of strain is bred impatience in the shape of a young bundle of nerves who is about as undisciplined an imp as the earth can show out of impatience grown up habituated to violent and ugly talk and the impatience and recklessness of his neighbours is begotten lawlessness encouraged by laziness and suppressed by violence when it becomes insupportable out of lawlessness is bred rebellion and that fruit has been tasted once already and at rebellion comes profit to those who wait he hears of the power of the people who through rank slovenness neglect to see that their laws are soberly enforced from the beginning and these people not once or twice a year but many times within a month Go out in the open streets and, with a maximum waste of power and shouting, strangle other people with ropes. They are, he is told, law-abiding citizens who have executed the will of the people. Which is as though a man should leave his papers unsorted for a year and then smash his desk with an axe, crying, Am I not orderly? He hears lawyers, otherwise sane and matured, defend this pig-jobbing murder on the grounds that the people stand behind the law. The law that they never administered he sees a right at present only half but still half conceded to anticipate the law in one's own interests and nervous impatience always nerves for judging the suspect in jail the prisoner in the dark and the award between nation and nation ere it is declared he knows that the maxim in London Yokohama and Hong Kong in doing business with the pure-bred american is to keep him waiting for the reason that forced inaction frets a man into a lather as standing in a harness frets a half-broken horse he comes across a thousand little peculiarities of speech manner and thought matters of nerve and stomach developed by everlasting friction and they're all just the least little bit in the world lawless no more than the restless clicking together of horns in a herd of restless cattle, but certainly no less. They are all good, good for those who wait. On the other hand, to consider the matter more humanly, there are thousands of delightful men and women going to pieces for the pitiful reason that if they do not keep up with the procession, they are left. And they are left in clothes that have no back to them among mounds of smilax. And young men, chance met in the streets talk to you about their nerves which are things no young man should know anything about and the friends of your friends go down with nervous prostration and the people overheard in the trains talk about their nerves and the nerves of their relatives and the little children must needs have their nerves attended to ere their milk-teeth are shed and the middle-aged women and the middle-aged men have got them too and the old men lose the dignity of their age in an indecent restlessness and the advertisements in the papers go to show that this sweeping list is no lie. Atop a top of the fret and the stampede, the tingling self-consciousness of a new people, makes them take a sort of perverted pride in the futile racket that sends up the death rate, a child's delight in the blaze and the dust of the march of progress. Is it not distinctively American? It is, and it is not. If the cities were all America, as they pretend fifty years would see the march of progress brought to a standstill as a locomotive is stopped by heated bearings down in the meadow the mowing-machine has checked and the horses are shaking themselves the last of the sunlight leaves the top of Monadnock and four miles away Main Street lights her electric lamps it is band night in Main Street and the folks from Putney from Marlborough from Guilford and even Newfane will drive in their well-filled wagons to hear music, and look at the ex-president. Over the shoulder of the meadow two men come up very slowly, their hats off and their arms swinging loosely at their sides. They do not hurry, they have not hurried, and they never will hurry, for they are of country, bankers of flesh and blood, of the ever-bankrupt cities their children may yet be pale-summer boarders, as the boarders' city-bred weeds may take over their farms. From the plough to the pavement goes man, but to the plough he returns at last. "'Going to supper?' "'Yep,' very slowly across the wash of the uncut grass. "'Say that corn wants painting?' that when we get round to it they go off through the dusk without farewell or salutation steadily as their own steers and there are a few millions of them unhandy men to cross in their ways set silent indirect in speech and as impenetrable as that other eastern fanner who is the bedrock of another land they do not appear in the city papers they are not much heard in the streets and they tell very little in the outsider's estimate of America. And they are the American. End of chapter eight Recording by Tim Bulkeley of BigBible.org